Our second scripture reading for today comes to us from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1549. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and its clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. These are the words of our risen Lord. May they bring you both joy and courage. This morning, some of us had the pleasure to watch the sunrise over at Hudson Corner Cemetery. A graveyard represents sorrow and death, for our loved ones are no longer with us. Their bodies have returned to the dust of the ground. It is a reminder of our own mortality. Every one of us will someday die and our bodies will go back into the earth to rot and decay. It is a somber and morbid thought, but one God calls us to reflect upon, for death is his good judgment upon us. Yet when it comes to the grave of Christ, God has given to Christians another thought to ponder. For there... The tomb is empty. Death does not have the last word. For some, the idea of Christ's resurrection brings about fear. Yet for the Christian, this unoccupied burial place is a symbol of our hope. For God promises that one day we too will rise from the dead. For on that final judgment day, our bodies will be made whole once again glorified and without corruption, and they will be reunited with our spirits. But before we can talk about resurrection, we must first talk about death, the death of our Lord. It was on a Friday that they nailed Christ to the cross. He was falsely accused, yet he remained silent as the allegations were brought forth. 
He was mocked and ridiculed, and our Lord took the abuse. His back was scourged, his wrists and feet nailed down, yet he asked his Father to forgive those who did this. God's judgment loomed as the sun was darkened and shadows covered the land. Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, the cup of God's wrath was poured out upon him, and he drank every drop. Finally, in fulfillment of the penalty for sin, he gave his spirit over to death. The earth shook, and the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Tombs broke open, and many holy people who had died were raised to life. Christ's body was taken and laid in the tomb of a rich man. And because evening was approaching, there was no time to prepare the corpse with the burial spices. A heavy stone was rolled over the entrance, sealing the body within. And Roman guards were instructed to hold watch over the tomb so that none would steal this corpse. And on the seventh day, our Lord rested. This is where our story begins. Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. The Sabbath had passed, and these two Marys traveled to the place where Jesus' body lay. From the other Gospels, we learned that they had brought with them the burial spices to prepare the body. You see, these two women had made this journey expecting to find a dead Jesus. Now it was dawn on the first day of the week when they left. You see, Sunday morning was the earliest that they could go. For according to Jewish law, no work was to be done on the Sabbath. Yet as these two neared the tomb, the earth began to shake and their eyes beheld a sight they did not expect. Verse 2. There was a violent earthquake For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. The earth shook as Jesus died. And now that Christ has risen, it trembled again. These quakes hearken us back to the fall of man when God had cursed the ground. Divine judgment fell on Good Friday. The sin of the world rested upon the shoulders of our Lord. However, a different verdict came on Sunday. The Lamb of God is worthy, and he lives once more. The blood he shed cleanses God's children from their sins, and he brings life to all those with repentant faith. And the text tells us 
that this stone was rolled away. The, the covering would have been a heavy disc-shaped boulder slotted into a groove, closing the entrance of a wealthy man's tomb. You see, it was Joseph of Arimathea who asked Pilate to have Jesus buried in what should have been his own grave. Criminals were not typically shown such respect upon their deaths. But Pilate desired to be innocent of Jesus' blood and gave in to Joseph's request. So Christ's body rested in the earth. Yet in a show of might, the angel rolled back the stone. This was not done for Jesus' benefit. For he had already risen and left the tomb. A mere stone slab is not a barrier for our Lord. No, this stone was rolled away for the benefit of these women and for those who would come after them. For they were to give testimony of Christ's resurrection. So the seal was broken and the door of the grave was cast away. And just as God had rested on the seventh day, this angel now rested upon the very rock that had sealed the dead. There was no more need for work to be done, for Jesus was already victorious, and his Sabbath rest is available for those who have faith. Verse 3. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The sight of God's servant was marvelous to behold, for the angel emanated with God's glory. Not too long ago, we read about the weighty appearance of the angel who visited Daniel. So glorious was God's messenger that Daniel could not stand, nor could he speak nor could he even remain conscious without the angel's assistance. Here we have a similar, similar occurrence. Look at verse 4. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now these guards were Roman soldiers. They were trained, battle-hardened men. Warriors like this did not scare easily. Yet at the sight of God's messenger, they trembled with fear until they could tremble no more. Just like Daniel, they became unconscious, lying upon the ground as if dead. Friends, here is what you need to understand when it comes to God's glory. His splendor is so great that sinful men cannot stand under the weight of it. The angels that proceed from God's presence radiate so much, so much with his glory, that even these tough-as-nails soldiers faint from fright. But they were not the only ones who were scared. 
Verse 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. The women were no exception. They were fearful as well. God's messenger had come to them in order to strengthen them. He spoke to them courage, and they were able to stand. In irony of ironies, it was those manly brutes that swooned from terror, while these frail women stood upright, facing God's angel. This is a picture of how it will be on the last day. All will come before the Father to be judged. Those who are enemies of Christ will not stand. Instead, they will experience the second death in the lake of fire. It does not matter how physically or mentally strong a person is. Before the Almighty, they are but withered grass. Yet for those who are friends of Jesus, they will find a strength that is not their own. They will be able to stand before the judgment of God, for they rely not on their own power, but on the righteousness that comes to them through the cross of Christ. Dear friends, the resurrection is good news to some, but to others, it is a stench of death. For resurrection means that death is not final. There are those out there that do not want to face God's wrath. They would rather be snuffed out of existence than to have to bow down before their creator. Yet God did not speak life into humans so that they would be finite creatures. That was not God's intention in the garden. In our first scripture reading, we were told that all shall be raised and judged accordingly. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Ask yourself, does Jesus' resurrection bring you joy? Or does it create within you fear and tension? The enemies of Christ will be judged according to the deeds that they have done. 
Yet those who are his friends will find their names written in the book of life. Which are you? Verse 6. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. These two women were asked to peer into the empty tomb. They were not witnesses. The body was not there. This was not a spiritual resurrection as some like to suggest. Jesus is not a ghost or a disembodied spirit. He is flesh and blood. He is fully human. And he has risen just as he said. Three times previous, Christ had warned his disciples that he would enter into Jerusalem only to be killed at the hands of the religious leaders. Yet he would rise from the dead three days later. Jesus' words are trustworthy and true. For though he is fully human, he is also fully God. Verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Though Judas betrayed Jesus, there were still eleven disciples whom Jesus would soon commission as his apostles. Even though they had fallen away and were scattered for a time, Christ would not forsake them. It was at the Last Supper that Jesus had delivered to them a fourth message concerning his resurrection. Matthew 26, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus told them, This very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. These disciples needed reminding of this message. They needed someone to come and witness to them so that they might believe. These two Marys were tasked to deliver such a message. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. These women were both afraid, yet at the same time, filled with joy. The news of Christ's resurrection produces both fear and wonder, both terror and joy. This is a sign of true faith, for God is both holy and loving. He is the Lion of Judah, yet he shows mercy to those who are humble. Brothers, sisters, 
as sinful people, Christ is the one you should fear. Yet at the same time, he is good and he loves you. This proclamation that Jesus is alive, that the Messiah is no longer dead, is good news that brings joy to the hearts of those who are friends of Christ. So these two women hurried off to deliver that message. But as they were going, they were greeted by another. Verse 9. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Christ cares for these two Marys, these friends of his. The empty tomb was enough for them to believe, yet it was his physical presence that they desired. They got down on their knees and grasped onto his feet. They worshipped him. Again, we see the humanity and the divinity of our Lord. Jesus has a body. He has feet that can be held onto. He is not just some spirit, but he has flesh and blood. Yet he accepts the worship of these women as well. He doesn't tell them to stop. For he is fully God. And these two women finally understand who he truly is. Do you understand who Jesus truly is? Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go. And tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Like the angel before, Christ commands these women, Do not be afraid. For those who are friends of Jesus, they need not fear. Though they may come to faith shaking and trembling, Christ takes away their dread through his presence. Jesus then reinforced the commissioning of these two women to be witnesses of his resurrection. But he doesn't tell these women to go to his disciples. Rather, he uses the word brothers. A disciple is a follower and at best a friend. But a brother is family, a bond that is closest of all. The eleven are not just disciples, but they belong to the family of God. Jesus is now their brother. 
these men who had fallen away on Thursday night now find themselves in the family of God on Sunday morning. For Jesus had chosen them. He is a good shepherd who goes after his stray sheep. You see, their salvation did not depend on their good deeds. Rather, on the noble work of Christ upon the cross. He bled and died for them. Through him, they found forgiveness. They found adoption as sons of God. Ask yourself, are you a child of God? Does Jesus call you brother? Does he call you sister? Only through Christ will you find salvation. In our story today, we see both judgment and redemption. Judgment comes to the enemies of Christ. Those who refuse to repent of their sins, those who reject Jesus as their Messiah, they tremble at the news of the resurrection. For it is a foreshadow of their own resurrection to come and the judgment that will fall upon them. If Jesus is not your friend, then whom will you look to on that last day? Yet, redemption comes to those who are brothers and sisters of Jesus. Christ's resurrection gives you the assurance that the penalty for your sin has been dealt with. It is the basis for your own resurrection and the guarantee of your own deliverance. Brothers, sisters, if you are in Christ, then Jesus is closer than a friend. For he is your brother. He will look after you in your times of doubt and wandering. He will go ahead of you into Galilee to meet with you. He will give you his Holy Spirit, knitting you into his family. Though Jesus' resurrection brings terror to the enemies of God, it brings joy to those he loves. Let us rejoice in this good news and pray for his return. For Christ has risen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. Once we were considered enemies of you, yet we have been reconciled to you through the death of your Son. Our hope lies in the resurrection. Jesus is alive and welcomes us into your family, for he calls us brothers and sisters. He has given to us your Holy Spirit, allowing us to commune with you. We ask now that you would strengthen our faith, 
Let us grow in our knowledge of you and what you have done for us. To the glory of your name, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.